Um, yeah, so it's so good to be here. Um, I never know, uh, like it's been four years since I've been here, but I don't know, you probably have seen me on video, on screen, but to be here actually physically here, it's so good. Um, because last year I was supposed to be home for home assignment, but I couldn't, so I did most of my mission convention online. And um, I don't know if it, you might have seen my video then as well, so it's a bit different to be here. Um, it's been a blessing uh, to travel the last five weeks around Australia. So I've been to a few states. I came straight from Brisbane to here um, and to share about what God is doing in Cambodia. Um, I want to say thank you <laughs> and show you my team. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much on behalf of the Cambodian mission field. These are my co-workers and uh, my, uh, yeah, I don't work with all of them. Um, they are spread out across Cambodia. We have people from the US, people from Canada, Netherlands, um, Philippines, yeah, all working together to serve God as part of the Alliance family in Cambodia. Um, and on behalf of my family, next, um, I, they want to say thank you. I am the eldest and the only daughter, so they really appreciate your prayers. <laughs> um, I have two younger brothers, Johnny and Stephen. Uh, Stephen is married with three, well, the third one's on, his, on the way, and Johnny's going to get married in November. So I'm very thankful to God to allow me to be here. Um, this home assignment is seven months long, to really be with the family and celebrate. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for your prayers and your support all these years. Um, last time I was here, I was actually not overseas yet. I was getting ready to go. Um, so even though it's been four years, it feels like 10 years because <laughs> of the COVID. Um, I would tell people it felt like I went through a lifetime of emotions. And um, yeah, and it's, it's been, it's different even coming back, seeing a lot of changes and life is different. Um, this year's mission convention, as we have mentioned, is um, all of Jesus for all the world. You might see that in the pamphlets that's flying around, all of Jesus for all the world. And so today, my stories I want to share speaks about how all of Jesus for all the world is actually the motivation for missionaries, but even for us all as Christians to be bold with our faith. To, it's a drive for us to, to want to see people, more people, more nations, all nations, to come to know and glorify God and worship Him. Um, you know, but so what does it mean? What does to be? What does it mean to be part of all of Jesus for all the world? You know, for me, I believe it's not just a world that knows Jesus by name, but it's a world that will get to know Him in every way possible through their language, through their culture, through all that they see around them, in every way of their life, you know, they will get Jesus, all of him, to be deeply rooted in his word, to have his word. You know, all of Jesus includes knowing the power of the Holy Spirit that abides with us 24-7. You know, and all of Jesus for all the world means no one should be denied the opportunity to enter God's kingdom. So would you join me in that today? Um, and let's pray before we start. 
Father Lord, we just thank you so much that your love was so great and is so great that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us so that we can be cleansed of our sins, we can even have a relationship and even call you Abba Father and pray to you even right now. Lord, we thank you for this safe place that we can come and worship you. Lord, may you prepare our hearts and minds to hear from you. Work in our hearts, Lord God, so that we um, are not just, you know, not just coming here to hear, but we will do something about what you um, are putting on our hearts. Lord, I pray that you speak to us and, um, yeah, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it was 2009. Um, I was actually standing at the border between Thailand and Cambodia. And I was stiff with tremendous fear because I did not want to be in Cambodia. And for those who know me, they will say that I'm a very bubbly person. So I'm always like laughing, apparently. And, um, but I was like that moment in Thailand, but the moment we were staring at the um, border crossing from Thailand to Cambodia, I was just stiff with fear. I did not want to go into Cambodia. I did not want to be there at all. I remember that night, um, I was crying so much in the hotel uh, with my friends because I was like, I'm so scared of Cambodia. I know what happened in Cambodia. Um, I know that this Cambodia was a place where, um, you know, the dark days of Pol Pot happened. The very ground I was walking and sitting on was drenched with blood. To me, it was a very dark place, and I didn't want to be there. But you know, that night was raining and I was still sitting there and crying in fear. I can't do anything about it. Um, I have to follow my team. So I, next morning I got up and I went to this village. And because of the rain, this village was like covered, uh, the, the ground was really muddy. It was like the mud that, you know, stuck in the mud kind of mud, where your shoes will actually get stuck and break. And so we were walking and getting stuck. <laughs> in the mud and walking along and got to the end of the village and opened up to this big um, lake. And then these ladies coming out of this, their huts carried like palm leaves and mats. So they would lay down the palm leaves onto the ground next to the lake and then mats on top of it um, so that we could be able to sit down. And so we sat down around on the mat in a circle under this beautiful big palm tree by the lake. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a beautiful scene. And then my teacher would open up the Bible um, after we you know, had some laugh and chit chat, but he would open up the Bible and then start sharing the word of God to them. And I saw these ladies one by one, their faces were lighting up. It was just full of brightness. And as I looked around, I no longer felt fear. I no longer felt the darkness, I, what I saw was the light of Christ outshining the darkness. Yeah, and I also thought, you know, this is such a similar scene. It was a beautiful scene. It was as if it was from the Bible. It was like Jesus himself came and met us where we're at. He met us by the lake. He met us on the ground, at the, by, on the mud. He met the beggar by the side of the street. And he got down. He came and got down to bring the word of life to the people. And as I 
Yeah, actually, a lot of um, people going from Australia to Cambodia or like poorer countries, they would say they have this mentality of savior, like with a men savior mentality. Um, we think we can help them. We think we can save them. Uh, we feel pity for them. We're like, oh, I'm so blessed to be in Australia that we, and we feel sorry for them and we want to help them. Um, you know, nothing wrong with that. But in that moment, I realized it wasn't money, it wasn't, there was nothing I can offer in terms of wealth that could help them. What they needed was the word of God. What they needed was Jesus Christ himself. They needed to know that he came to save them, that he is their, he is their sanctifier, he is their healer, and he is the coming king that they need to know and be right with. Only him, only Christ himself can actually get them um, out of this darkness that they were living in. He was the light that they need. And so as I looked onto the mud and I saw these footsteps, and I'm sure it's from the little children running around, um, but to me it was Jesus' footsteps. And he was telling me that he goes before me and there's nothing I need to fear. It's actually in his footsteps is the safest place I can be. It's the brightest place I can be, is in his footsteps. So wherever he goes, I will go. So that day I said, yes, Jesus, I will go. Um, wherever you go, I will go. You know, we read from um, Revelations chapter 21, verse 22 to 27. I want to read it again, um, but I want us to imagine, um, picture the image that Revelation is telling us. Uh, right describes and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How beautiful was that image of all the nations, all nations walking through the gates being led by light. As um, an Australian, as all of us here in Australia, I think we actually have an advantage in understanding this passage. Um, as an Asian-born, I say Asian because it could be Vietnamese, Chinese in my, um, yeah, descendant, uh, as, as descendant of Chinese and Vietnamese, but born in Australia. I think we understand that there are good things in different nations. There's, there's like beautiful things in the Chinese culture and beautiful things in the Vietnamese culture. There's beautiful things in um, the Australian culture. The way Vietnamese, I will speak for Vietnamese, is the way they honor God. They have to dress the best and the, the way they um, have reverence for God. The way Africans would dance and celebrate at something that's so happy and good news, the way um, Australians would be so intimate with God. All this from different nations will come together one day and we will see 
all these different ways, um, different glories and, and celebration and praises given to God in one place together. You know, it won't be just an Australian style or Vietnamese style. It will be the kingdom, all the kingdom, all nations together. And this is exciting. Isn't this exciting? Like, do we look forward to the day to see all nations? And I love it seeing here that there's already glimpses of so many nations worshiping the one God, the true God, the God creator. And there will no, there won't be walls like this and rooms separating us from the Cantonese, Mandarin, and English. It will be one big place. No more walls. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> it's... I look forward to see this day when all the nations walk through the gates worshiping God together. Why? Because God deserves all praises from all people. That is what we as a church need to be longing for and pray for. And this is why we go on mission. Um, Sway mouth, so there should be a picture of a girl in red. she, if you've been following my newsletter, um, I have given her different names. But now I can tell you her real name. Her name is Sway Mao. Um, she's a mother of two, she's a 20-year-old, um, a mother of two young children. She had a really traumatic life. She was bought as a baby to be resold. Um, so from a young age, she had to rely on drugs and alcohol to numb her feelings. Um, and, and so just go by. Um, so she had, yeah, drugs. So she came to us one day, uh, two years ago, she came to us uh, completely uh, violent and angry. She didn't want to be there. And we were like, well, if you don't want, yeah, it was hard, but she has gone through so many um, agencies and services to help her, um, but they couldn't help her anymore. So they came actually begging us to take her in. Um, but we are not the typical style. Um, we, are, we are more like community living, uh, community of love living for her. So the first few months was a battle because she would be beating her children right in front of the staff and the staff would have to like get in and, and um, you know, stop them. And it was like a fight, literally, to just even stop her hitting her children. So it was a battle, but finally, Slowly, over time, we saw, um, you know, God changing her. And we even saw her, she started painting and even painted the words, there is peace with God. And um, she, she finally got off the drugs and alcohol and even held a job for a number of months. However, sadly, but not uncommon, she did slip back into her old ways, um, old habits. But it's not uncommon for someone who's in recovery. So we knew this would happen, but it happened over like a few number of times. But one day, um, determined, she packed her bags and took her children and left. For six to eight months, she lived a life, um, she would say, even worse than before. Her children was once again abused by others as well. And then um, she realized she can't live a life without God, so she called um, one day and, and said, I need to come back. She needed to get back to rehab. She was like, I can't do life without God. 
She thought the world could satisfy her, but it made her even more lost. And so she came back very determined this time. She even handed over her phone, handed over the money that she made, and she was like, don't give me control over that. And then um, the neighbors, they didn't believe it because they saw that different her. They saw her, her, her face was more determined and more bright. And so they tested her even by giving her beer and tested her. And she would be able to walk away and started helping other people that was at the rehab. Um, just before I came back, I was able to get a video of her. Um, she came and visit, and, um, and I want to show this video. And she wants to say thank you, because you, if you've been following, you have been praying for her for the past two years. So this is her saying thank you. Uh, hey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Full of smiles now, so I had to show that. <laughs> My name is Raymal. I'm from Improving. Thank you for praying to for me. Um, ออกคนสําหรับการอธิษฐานរបស់បងប្អូនឲ្យ <laughs> Don't know if you guys caught that, but um, would you believe me if I said that was her? Um, that was beating her children right in front of people and was causing crazy <laughs> at our rehab. Um, she says thank you for praying. She has now succeeded um, in life. Um, she asked, she this month will start Bible college um, and it will be a two years program. And after that, she wants to start counseling so that she could also help those uh, with trauma and addictions like herself. Um, she's now just full of light and full of smiles, and even her children are just very happy now. And um, I, I thank God a lot for her. All of Jesus for all the world. When Sreemal got all of Jesus, she got him not just as her savior, but she, got, she understood that he's her sanctifier, her healer, and her coming king. She wanted all the world to also get the same. She wanted those around her to also get to see and know the Christ that she knows. Um, but then sometimes uh, you don't see the fruits of your faith that soon. That was two years. Um, sometimes the labor and toil can really be long and hard. Um, uh, a friend, her name is Sophie. She has, she's a missionary for like 15 long years. And for 15 long years, she dedicated herself at this one small community. Her desire to, is to see households come to believe in Jesus. She longs to see children to grow up in families that know Jesus. You know, so for 15 long years, she has sown many seeds. She has sown seeds like the, farm, the parable of the farmer, 
You know, and she saw seeds that fell on the path and it quickly got eaten up by birds. She saw seeds that was um, sown in rocky places. It grew, it grew, and like you think there's hope in this place uh, when they grow. Um, they look like they get it, but then when hardship comes, when, um, you know, as Vietnamese, we are, they are paperless, I, they have no identity, stateless people. So it gets hard for them and life persecution starts happening then they quickly wither away. And I find that personally, those are the ones that really hurt the most because you almost saw the hope, see the change, but then they wither away. And then there's other seeds that fall among the thorns and then gets choked. Then as workers on the field, you're just wondering, what's, what's the point? Why do we labor and toil for? You know, should I give up? When should I give up? And should I just go home to my mom and dad? So one day, um, a man from the community, this was this year, uh, he's been in this community for 15 years, as long as Sophie has been there, and um, she has shared the gospel to him, but he, he didn't come to believe, and um, that day he needed surgery. He needed to go to the hospital and needed surgery, but he needed 10 bags of blood. Um, in Cambodia, it's based on a exchange blood system. Um, if you need 10 bags of blood, then you need 10 donors to replace those blood. But you need to have those blood donors ready before the surgery can even happen. And so Sophie called me, and I was already looking for people, for two other people that needed blood. I already gave my own blood as well. And it was just, for some reason, that week there was not enough people to give blood. We called around, we called to our families and friends, our connections, called our family and friend, their family friends. I even went onto Facebook to look for blood. And finally, and, um, but we exhausted all our connections and days and days went by and this man still needs surgery, but he can't get it because we don't know anymore anyone else. Because he's a Vietnamese man and, as a Vietnamese, and lives in a Vietnamese community. And as a Vietnamese person in Cambodia, you don't have identity. Um, so you don't even have ID to even register to give blood. And so finally, his family decided that they need to buy blood. They need to pay people to get them to give blood. Now, this, technically, this is illegal. But they had, no more, they had no choice. This man was getting weaker and weaker, and he needed blood. So that day, they, the people that um, they paid to give blood came. But for some weird reasons, they couldn't give blood. They had the paperwork, they had ID, they had blood, and they have money, and they couldn't even give blood. So we continued to look for more people. Finally, we found some more, and the missionaries had to come from out of town, like a whole hour away, she traveled to give blood. She didn't even know this man. But I also find most of the time I'm giving blood to people I don't know as well. Um, the doctor would be like, so how, what's your relationship with this person? I'm like, I don't know. There's <laughs> no relationship. <laughs> They're like, you don't know him? I'm like, no, I don't. What's his name? I actually don't know either. Um, so anyway, after his surgery, Sophie went over to see him um, and to you know, to see, visit him. And he, as soon as he saw the teacher, Sophie, he was like, teacher, 
It was the Christian God that helped me. In his words, the day he went into the hospital, he was so sure he was going to pass away. He was so sure he was going to die. He did not think he would survive. And when he needed help, the only people that could help him was actually the Christians. The only blood that he could get was the Christian blood. And he was like, and it was free. I didn't have to pay. Then he went home after the surgery, and God spoke to him, um, reminding him about this uh, old traditional medicine that he, the, everyone has completely forgotten, and it's normally for those who's bleeding out. And he was like, it was God, it was your God, it was the Christian God that spoke to me. And so he, then he was like, I know he is real. So Sophie, once again, after 15 long years, one more time shared the gospel to him. And he was like, it was as if it was his first time hearing the gospel. He held, grabbed onto her arm really tightly, and he was like, what did you say? What can Jesus do for me? He can save me? He can make me clean from my sins? And Sophie replied, I know, which is brother, yes, he can, and he has. And, and um, so he accepted Jesus and he has found so much peace, even peace with his illness. And now he is with the Lord. Um, but he, for four months, he was able to find peace and knowing that his son, who ha he has left behind, knows Jesus as well. And so he has peace, knowing where his son will be and where he will be. And he is. So we will get to meet him one day. Um, yeah, all of Jesus for all the world. This is the hope and the desire that keeps a worker on the field, it keeps us going. Um, one more story. Um, I don't know where I'm up to in my slides, but okay. Is there a slide of school kids? Yeah. Um, so I, I thought we had kids. I was like, did you know? But anyways. In 2022, we still have children who do not know how, don't have the opportunity to read and write. Um, they don't have, have the opportunity to learn. Um, so we have three schools that I am a, a kind of um, a part of. Uh, I don't do any work with the children directly. I'm more in, in the role with the, um, the teachers and the staff in leadership development. So I don't get to see the kids a lot. But there's this girl named Wang Mei. She's 10 years old, and I saw her three times. And I want to tell you about the three times I have met her. Uh, so first time, the first time I met Wang Mei, she was sitting alone in the classroom like this one with other kid, uh, while other kids have gone out to play, by herself, uh, to play and buy food. But she would have her little packed lunch from home and sit in the room by herself. You know, for many years, she wanted to go and study like other kids. Her dream and desire is to be a teacher one day. But because of her uh, situation, her family situation with no paperwork, she can't actually go to school. So she had to watch other kids go to school every morning. Until one day, a neighbor told her mom, um, you know, there's actually a school for the Vietnamese kids and give them a chance and opportunity to study. So seeing her daughter's desire to just know how to read and write and be a teacher one day, she signed up and registered her daughter to the school. 
So when I saw her in the classroom all alone, everything about her, she didn't care. She was just such a little bubbly um, little girl, smiling, and she was like, I don't care. I don't need to play with other kids. I'm at school. And I was like, bless you. Um, she was, everything about her was telling me that she was just so happy that she finally got to go to school. The second time I met her was at church. And I saw her sitting at the front, and I was like, oh, she's at church, but didn't see any her parents around. So I asked her, where's your parents? And she's like, oh, they are not believers. I'm like, so how did you get to church? And she's like, oh, I know I need to know God. I want to know God. And I know I have to go to church to know more and more about God. So I kept on nagging my parents. I would nag and nag and nag until they let me go to church. So now her parents, they don't go to church, but they will take her to church and then pick her up after church as well. She's such a young child, but she knows exactly what she needs and she will strive for it. So she wanted to be at school, or she wanted to be at church, and she's at church. The third time I met her was in her home. Um, we went to visit her mum, and her mum was sharing with us that she's just bitter with life. She's just so bitter and done with life. She's bitter and upset with her family relationships. She's bitter with people. She's bitter with poverty. She's bitter with her body that is ill and keeps on breaking down. She questions what's the meaning of life. You know, nighttime to her is the most painful because she just didn't have any peace, no peace, and she wishes she would just die. She was so sure that death could take her to a better place. Um, so in that moment, Oh, sorry. So her only, and then she shared, her only comfort has been her youngest daughter, Huang Mi. Um, ever since she started going to New Hope School, she brought home a Bible and started reading the Bible to her mom every night. And every time that her daughter reads the Bible to her, then she would find peace and be able to sleep. And Huang Mi would also pray for her and remind her to, be, to remember, think of God, think of God. In that moment, Huang Mei heard her mom said that, and Huang Mei, just a bubbly girl, always smiling, completely broke down and cried. She just breaks down and cries, and she, she shared, I just want my mom to be happy. So she tries to be strong every day. She puts on a smile every day because she doesn't want her mom to see that she's not happy. She wants her mom to be happy. So. So she doesn't dare to cry in front of her mom. If she needs to cry, she would go and cry in the corner all by herself. When I heard that, I was just like, isn't this too much for a 10-year-old girl to carry the burden of her mom's happiness? There are many children who still lives in families that does not know Jesus. Huang Mei might just be a child, but she has great faith. She is so bold, faith to make her boldly speak up about her faith, to share the word of God, to be countercultural, reading to her mom, praying for her mom. Her faith and hope in Jesus brings her to boldly read the Bible to her mom and boldly pray for her mom. It makes me wonder what bold things can we do for God and others. Um, the 
we hundred the Alliance Church. So next slide. Um, so local Alliance Churches like us ourselves here um, has provided the foundation for our worldwide mission through prayer and sacrificial giving to the Great Commission through the Faith Promise as. Um, shoes <laughs> yeah, um, mentioned earlier um, so a hundred years ago actually next year so 1923 was the first time that Alliance missionaries um, and they have picked that date to be the first time that evangelical Christian presence has come into Cambodia a hundred years ago 1923 and the faith promise through faith promise partnerships of churches Sending missionaries since then has led to 2% of Cambodians to come to know the Lord. That's over 300,000 people in Cambodia has come to know the Lord, from zero to 340,000. But that is still a very small number, it's still just only 2%. However, we can praise God. And so next year, in January 2023, they're going to throw a big celebration, three-day long celebration with the king being invited and the prime minister as well. And it's a public event, so many people will be coming. Um, I went to a prayer night, and I thought it was a prayer night, but it was like a big concert. So it's a big celebration. When Cambodia celebrates its 100 year next year, you can also join in and take some credit for this. Um, you can, you know, we can say we were part of praying during this 100 years. We were part of sending. You, CMA Australia, the church here, you guys have sent missionaries, Kim Ko, Dang and Huan Pham, Tin and An Pham, and myself um, to Cambodia. Um, you know, many people have come to faith. Churches have been planted. The presence of Jesus has been established throughout Cambodia. You know, we have taken the, the word of God to the um, hardest, some of the hardest places, the last stronghold of the Pol Pot. Um, we have taken the word of God there and to some of the nooks and crannies of Cambodia in the past hundred years. So we can celebrate together with the Cambodians next year in spirit. Or you can go. But there's still much to be done. You know, we want to see locals be sent out as missionaries. Like I said, it's only 2%. There's still 98% to reach the... And we still need to go to places that is hard to get to, unreached people group, unreached uh, locations, to bring the word of God to them, to give them an opportunity to know the light that outshines the darkness, the healing power of the Holy Spirit, of God, and the presence, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit that abides with us 24-7. Um, next. Not everyone I want to share, uh, so that's what the faith promise looks like. Final uh, in conclusion, though, before I finish, um, not everyone has equal access to the gospel. I don't know how many times you have heard this or seen this map. Um, yeah, this. But there's seven point. Oh, I can go back. Sorry. 7.1 billion people. 3.4 billion is still unreached. Unreached means um, that they have 
it's a it's a uh, unreached means they have not um, had the op like they don't have access. That's a word. Sorry, they don't have access to the gospel. Um, so. Joshua Project or some of the mission researchers would say under 2% of population means that um, there is not enough, it's considered unreached. Um, because once you reach 2%, then it's about one in 50 people. So one person in a community of 50, that's kind of enough to show that there's Christian presence. But anything less percentage than that, for example, the Jam people in Cambodia, you have to go knocking on 5,000 houses before you can find a, ha um, a household or someone that can tell you about Jesus. Um, for the Vietnamese in Cambodia, it's you have to go knocking on 500 houses before you can find someone that can tell you about Jesus. For us in Australia, where it considers high access um, and as a rich countries because you can, I don't know where we are, but you can go to the right or to the left, you can go to your school, you can go to your workplace, you can go to a shopping center and you'll might find, you will find someone, or even amongst your friends, someone to tell you about Jesus. If they don't know Jesus themselves, they can even direct you to someone else that can tell you about Jesus. So that's called high access reach um, country. So 3.4 billion is still unreached. Over 4,000 people group still do not have access. They have little or no opportunity to know who Jesus is. The crazy thing, next. Um, so this is the green, the green is high access, low access is yellow, and the red is no access. And I wanted to you know, zoom into this red area it's called the 1040 window. You might hear that language thrown around. Basically, it's this place on the world. I'm bad with geography. Um, crazy thing about this place, this area, is that people, the people there are willing to say yes to Jesus. They are actually very receptive of the gospel. They are waiting for someone to tell them who God the creator is. They are waiting to, for someone to explain to them the, um, yeah, the, the, the creation they see around them. Who, who, is in, who is the God of all nations in, in the world? Um, they're very responsive, but they just haven't had the chance to say yes to God because they actually don't know anyone that can explain the gospel to them. No one to tell them where to direct them to Jesus. No one for them to even see who Jesus is. But how can they believe if no one goes? How can they even meet a Christian if we don't go? No one has, went, has gone to tell them. Um, I wouldn't say no one, but it's very little there. Um, thank God, praise God, that 80% of Alliance workers actually live in this red area, um, yet the laborers are still few, and the work is still plentiful. Um, Christian presence, Christian presence, I'm so not presence, I'm not, I'm not even talking about missionaries going to, um, to, 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 tell, to share the gospel. I'm talking about Christian presence. You know, we have Jesus 
in us. His light shines in us, but people can't even see that because there's no Christian presence in these areas. Um, that's still unheard of and missing in the world. In so many places of Cambodia that I have met, and I just wish, especially for the young men, <laughs> I just wish that there will be more godly men in their presence to help them, to guide them, to mentor, to be their brother in Christ. Um, just to show them and direct them to God, point them to God. The ministry of presence is what I found the last four years have been for me. I might not, I'm not an evangelist. I go and like open the Bible and can read like, as in like, you know, some evangelists that that's really full on. Praise God for them. But I found a lot of time it's just, we need to be there to be ready for them to ask the questions and we have the answer. Yeah, just as, um, yeah, the eunuch who, who needed to help someone help them, him explain. But if no one's around, who can explain the gospel to him? So that's why I am sharing today, kind of challenging. Could that be you guys? Could that be someone from here? Would you go into places where there's no Christian presence yet to be the, the presence of Christ to those around you? It could be in your society, but it could also be overseas. God calls us to follow and trust him, to go and make disciples of all nations, teach them all he has commanded. You know, to be part of all of Jesus for all the world is because we have, we have his word. There's still like over, maybe it's about 6,000 now, 6,000 um, people, like languages that still don't have the Bible in their language. How many versions of the English Bible do you have? Do you have? <laughs> like, how many do you have in your house? Um, yeah. Our world still needs to meet the light of Jesus that's in you and in me. They still need people to go so that they can see and know Jesus in every way possible. All of, all of Jesus for all the nations means no one should be denied the opportunity to enter God's kingdom. Yeah, I thank God for the missionaries who went to the refugee camps because that's where my family, my grandpa first heard um, about God, um, about Christ and that he is the true God. And when he found that, that God is the true God, the one and only God, he was like, okay, my whole household needs to go to church now. So I didn't become a believer because my grandpa took me to church, but that gave me an opportunity to come to Christ. Let's look forward to see all the nations. Remember that image from Revelations, the nations walking through the gate together. We're going to be walking down and look to our right, to our left in front and behind us and see all our brothers and sisters in Christ from all nations celebrating the good stuff, that bringing in the glories and the good stuff from all over the world in one place, worshiping God together. You know, when I saw my life in, um, in my own life and in Cambodia, that Jesus is the light that outshines the darkness, I knew I must go and tell the world about this light. When Srey Mao got all of Jesus and 
And when she was healed and transformed by Jesus, her response is to see other people also get healed by Jesus. When Huang Mei found her joy in Jesus because you know, she got all of Jesus and she also wants it for her mom to also find this joy and happiness. If you are people who are transformed and got saved by Jesus, what does it mean for you today then? What will you do about it? And if you um, don't know Jesus yet, I hope from the stories today you could see that there is, God is the living God, a real God, who is transforming lives and bringing people out of darkness into his light. So my prayer for you is that you will also come to know Jesus as your savior, one who will heal your, all your wounds and, and has because of his death on the cross for us. He has made us right with God and that we can call God our father in heaven. What does it mean for you today? A changed life changes lives. So let me pray. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, thank you so much for your love, that you are a true living God. You're a God who continues to work and transform people's lives, even up to today, a hundred years ago, thousands of years ago, and not until now, Lord God, even today. Even today, you are still speaking to us and moving us and transforming us into more like Jesus. Just like the little boy this morning that we heard that every, he gets to become more like Jesus. So Lord, as you um, speak to us, Lord, may we respond. We're not just hearing and listening, but we will respond as well. Lord, may you be our strength to go out into our society, wherever that may be, here in Adelaide or overseas. Lord God, may you go before us and we know the safest and the best place we could be is in your footsteps. So may we be people that move.